0: Listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network.
1: It's the podcast! In the Broadcast Basement.
2: doing
0: i'm doing good and uh by the way the school starting up uh, uh just on twitter a little bit ago robert egoanthi is saying his uh, his summer vacation with aew is over he's going back to class he's going to class
2: season. what a terrible <laughs> decision robert forget this you should be wrestling full time what are you doing you driving me nuts <laughs> knock it off I guess I guess it's back on the weekends for him yeah, obviously he just likes teaching a lot good for him it's a it's a noble profession
0: uh first of all I was at Zello Pro on Saturday night they, they ran their show stronger together it was an indoor show back at Joe's on Weed Street their third anniversary show they did all these little careful things with admission and uh, keeping the uh number of people down to about 50. Um, social distancing, um, cleanliness. They clean the ring between every match. I watched the show on Fight TV Saturday night, and a couple of the highlights of the show included Laney Locke in the main event, defeating Brooke Valentine to retain the Zello Pro Women's Championship. And after that match, Elena Black came out with a unicorn head that looks just like Laney Locke's, but it had, like, tears strewn down the face. So we looks like we're going to have a Lainey Locke Elena Black match in the near future coming up from Zello Pro. Also, during that show, big highlight Drama King Matt, aka formerly known as Aiden English from WWE, was on commentary. And after one of the matches, a guy named Brubaker from the Blackheart Battalion called out Matt and then ended up challenging him for a match. And it sounds like they're going to have a match at next. Zello Pro Show, which is coming up on September the 17th back at Joe's. So they've already booked another show for Joe's. Drama King, Matt, and Brubaker, Baker looks like, is on for that night. It was a really, really fun show. And real quick, our friend and two-time guest, Mr. Kate, defeated Jay Raves in one of the top matches of the night. And actually, a little funny spot I wanted to tell you about, and she kind of laughed about it afterward, too, the referee was actually trying to feed Mr. Kate Cheetos during the match. Yeah, <laughs> kind of strange.
2: What is the what is the gimmick behind that? What, was it like he was trying to throw them into her mouth? How does that work? Uh, well, I guess Jay Raves had her in a, in a hold, and um, uh, Missa was on her
0: knees, and then the ref's just got a, hes eating a bag of Cheetos while they're fighting, and the ref leans over and give, tries to give her a Cheeto while she's in the hold. Amazing. <laughs> Yeah, but before we get to our guest, Brian Pillman Jr., I just want to run down a couple of quick shows for next weekend. Uh, there's a, a doubleheader in Crown Point, Indiana. Black Label Pro Wrestling is back. They're doing a little bit of a, a, a two shows. First is Eric Stevens Presents Professional Wrestling, and then the second show is called We're Back. So a couple of, um, um, again, indoor but you know sparsely attended shows, Uh, A lot of local wrestlers uh, on those shows. And then one more little show I want to mention out in Iowa, Des Moines, Iowa. It may not necessarily be Chicago, but there's a lot of Chicago Midwest talent working the show. It's called Black Wrestlers Matter, and it's a charitable show. Uh, John West is organizing and running the show, and some of the other talent on the show is, is pretty phenomenal. Shogun Chris Logan just amazing who runs true privilege wrestling will be wrestling on that show mike strong You got mojo mcqueen the ewok the women dynasty darius luttrell and the main event is jdx against ach who was jordan miles in wwe and one other note from that show again black wrestlers matter saturday night in des moines iowa aew Sonny kiss will be making a special appearance
2: awesome very very cool Joining us uh, through the magic of the interwebs on the phone line with us right now, Brian Pillman Jr. Hello, sir. How are you?
1: Yeah, I'm doing good. I've been doing a lot better recently. I get my headphones untangled <laughs> and now we're in here.
0: So you made a return to Warrior Wrestling for your first title defense against Robert Ego Anthony at Friday Night Lights. Yes, sir. How was that experience, wrestling in that environment on the football field with everybody spread out and socially distanced? And did you have any reservations about wrestling during the pandemic?
1: Um, maybe at first, you know, maybe when I was first getting back at it, you know, I was a little worried, but I've been everywhere, brother. I've been down to Huntsville, Alabama. I've been to Sevierville, Tennessee. I wrestled in front of fans in Grimsley, Tennessee. And uh, there ain't nothing to fear out there. there. Ain't nothing to worry about. The only thing that I'm, wor- the only thing I'm worried about is entertaining these people and giving these people an escape and get them off their phones and get them to stop looking at all the negativity and all the fear. I want to show these people some
2: love, you know what I'm saying? I think that's awesome. Was it weird to to go out there after a layoff? You're probably used to doing it all the time, and then you get this long yeah. break. I mean, what was that like going back the first time? Was it kind of like a shock to the system, or did you just jump right back on like riding a bicycle?
1: You know, I think getting in there with, with, the, with the bigger guys, like Sean Spears, with the really experienced guys, I think that was uh, the physicality of it was a shock to me a little bit who kind of woke me up. You know, that match with Sean Spears really woke me up and reminded me what this business is all about. It reminded me that, you know, this, this shit ain't ballet, you know. But after those first couple bumps, you start shaking them off. You start getting up a little quicker. You start working a little, a little slower, a little faster. And, uh, and things start to, things start to rotate again. Just like these, I'm better. I came back from the pandemic better. I'm a better wrestler. I'm in better shape. And uh, that's because, you know, I control my own, you know, story, right? You know, people can make the excuses, you know, the guys say, oh, I, you know, put on some weight during the pandemic, you know, well, I didn't, I got, I did, I put on some weight, I put on some motherfucking muscle, you know what I'm saying?
0: You look great on Friday night. Um, some of the pictures I took and some of the pictures that Ian and Basil took around ringside, you look yep. just fantastic. And uh, how was that experience at Warrior Wrestling Friday Night Lights, wrestling on the football field and everything like that?
1: Uh it was the ultimate. It was the ultimate dream night of mine. Um, it was my first title defense. I did. I don't consider my reign. My reign began on that Friday night. You know, when I actually won that belt with a with a one on one match, mm-hmm. no stipulations, no clowning around, not a lot of bullshit on the end of Frank. You know, yep. he got his hands on me for a little bit, but for the most part. I think me and Ego had the respect for each other out there and we wanted to have a big clean match. And that's what went I mean. down. It was nice because I played football in high school. So it was yeah. very uh meant a lot to me to go out there and do what I did that night and defend my title.
0: Going back six months to Warrior Wrestling Eight, the, the day you actually won the championship, that was quite the day for you. I mean, I remember getting to the building early that day. You were playing pickup basketball with Michael Elgin in the gym, and then you had the VIP oh, yeah. Fan Fest. And then you had that ridiculously brutal physical street fight with Bully Ray. And then you were inserted into that War of Attrition match, and then you survived all the stages. You beat Sam Adonis in the final. Now, at what point that day did you know you're going to be in that war of attrition?
1: I didn't even know, I don't think, until after my match with Bully. Oh, okay. this was the last, yeah, this was the last second decision. I think it was because I went out there and I busted my ass against a guy who was about twenty. 20 years more experience than me, more than that brother. And I proved my toughness. I proved that I am the de- like I am the definition of adversity, you know, and attrition. And you put me in a war of attrition match right after I got my ass beat by Bully Ray, you know. I was like, how much worse could it get, you know? So maybe they thought that you know I wouldn't be a big contender because I just got my ass beat. But at the same time, I went into that match thinking I got nothing to lose, you know. I already lost tonight, you know. Well, so I got to lose tonight. And again, I just fought and I just blacked out and I just believed that anything could happen and it did. So I remember, you know, Sam Adonis hit me on the hit me with that dive on the outside of the ring and and I blacked out and I forgot the rest of the other match, you know, all the other matches we had. And it just became a singles match to me at that point. And we went out there and uh and yeah, it is, somehow, I, somehow I ended up winning the match. And that's why I skated by and I survived. And that just speaks to the toughness and the resilience. And it, and it ultimately led to the creative decision to call myself Bulletproof. It was that night that I thought, you know what? This is more than just a gimmick. This is, this is how I am. This is how I wrestle. I take a big beating. I keep kicking out. I keep kicking out on instinct. And I truly am Bulletproof.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of a tip of the hat to your father, going back to that uh, that angle with Stone Cold Steve Austin, right, with the whole gun thing.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, I've always—I mean, in a way, I guess you could say I've always been inspired by by guns, and you know, I've run the idea of you know the nine millimeter kit, you know, stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. um, I've also been inspired by the Bullet Club.
2: Oh, okay,
0: gotcha.
1: Been inspired by machine gun Carl Anderson. Yes been inspired by kenny omega so a lot of things also i grew up shooting guns my finisher is called the m1 grand because it was a it was a war war ii rifle that my uncle gave to me as a gift when i first started learning how to shoot at the age of 13. so so i've been no stranger to to ballistics and 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 guns and and i've always you know i'm not like a crazy crazy nut about it you know i'm not always you know, shooting every weekend. But ever since I was about 12, I've been a pretty good shot, you know, and I've maintained, you know, my hands around firearms. And so I've always kind of been inspired by that style and that creative direction. And, 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 my going into going back to the MLW opera cup. Um, I took quite a beating there too. You know, I took quite a beating from a lot of guys from Timothy Thatcher from TJP and I ended up making it to the finals. So, It all goes into this story, it all goes into getting knocked down but getting back up, you know. I might you know, I might get knocked back a step, but I'm gonna take two steps forward.
0: Where were you in the house during the whole Steve Austin invasion angle? And about how old were you at that point when that happened?
1: Oh, we're taking it back, we're taking it back to the to the childhood, huh? Indeed.
2: Get on the couch, Brian. We're gonna we're gonna have a deep dive into your childhood. It's okay? a twenty It's a twenty eighteen interview.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you already asked this question. You're gonna no, okay? Uh, no, I get <laughs> bigger audience. I'm only ripping. I get that question a lot, maybe too much. But uh but no, I was there. I lived there. It was in. uh Walton, Kentucky, mm-hmm. about 20 minutes from where I'm at right now in Covington, Kentucky. Um, my father had a had quite a prestigious, uh, palatial estate as Jericho would say, palatial estate and, uh, and now, you know, Steve came in and as kids, you know, we don't, wanna, we don't know what the hell's going on. So we were very nervous. We were very scared. And of course the whoever was in charge of production, or filming the situation. You know, they came and ushered us and told us to be safe. You know, don't worry, don't cry. You know, of course, we're all fucking crying, you know. And uh, and my dad is no help either, you know. Of course, he's selling it like it's the goddamn end of the world, you know. now He's making us kids think it's even worse than it is, you know. <laughs> he's coming, you know. Of course, he had so much respect for the business
2: that he never broke. Wouldn't even wouldn't even break it with his kids. You know, I'm I'm curious, Brian. You talk about all the adversity that you've gone through and all the things that you kind of have to fight against. I'm curious, is it easier? But I suspect it's harder. Is it easier or harder? to go into a business where your dad was already there. He'd already done WWE there. People might have expectations of you. Is it easier or harder? Because I think some people assume that it's, it's easier for you, but I'm suspecting you're going to tell us that it actually adds a little bit more difficulty as you work your way up. Well, that's the thing. It's a double-edged sword, right?
1: Um, I didn't get to, I didn't get to play around ever. I never had a chance to just have fun. Uh, from day one, it was a job. My very first match was was widely and publicly uh, shown on, on on YouTube, and 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 it got a lot of spotlight. In my very first match. So, and and this goes back to my trainer, Lance Storm. Uh, he told me that he said, "You don't get to, you know, you don't get to have any fun and, and break the ice and and learn. And you just got to treat it like a job from day one. You got to keep it simple, kid." That's what he said. He said, "I got to keep it simple. I got to keep it simple." Because there's people out there that would rather drag you down and bury you and, and shit all over the opportunities you've been given and say, oh, it's only because you're your dad. So what did I do? How do I avoid all the negativity? How did I avoid getting buried by the public by saying, oh, he can't work. You know, he's green. Oh, he sucks. I did what my trainers told me. I did what the old school guys told me. And I went and got in great shape. I got great gear. I did all the right things that every wrestler should do, regardless of your name. So I didn't take it for granted. I didn't say, oh, I'm Pillman Jr., I can just get by with shitty gear and being out of shape. And I, oh, trust me, I, I, I damn well could have. I could have very well had an indie wrestling career and been a half ass wrestler and not put the work in all because of my name. But that's not what happened. What happened is I took the advice of the older guys. I took the advice of the people that had been there and I did exactly what I was told. I kept it simple and I started to carry myself as a star at a very early stage in my career because everyone should be treated like a star. I don't care what spot you are on the card. If you're the opening batch or the main event, you're called a professional wrestler for a reason. It means you are a high level athlete and you're competing in a fight why would you be paid to fight if you're not one of the best right so you should carry yourself always winning or losing it doesn't matter
0: brian you've made an incredible impression so far um you won the pwi rookie of the year last year and just look at the laundry list of people who have actually won that award rick flair stone cold steve austin ricky the dragon steamboat owen hart medusa bill goldberg with kurt angle randy orton What is it it like to be among that list of of great talent?
1: Well, you got to think, what did all those guys have in common? Were any of them destroying themselves, sacrificing it all for one Mm -hmm. big moment? Or were they working to the people? Mm -hmm. They were working to make the fans happy. They put the fans first. They put the emotional uh, investment of the fans first. And that's how you win awards. That's how you have good matches. You know, you go out there and you work for the people because the fans at the end of the day, they're the ones that are writing in the votes. You know, they're the ones that are mailing in. They're the ones that are reading the magazines. They're the ones that are buying your merch. Right. Yeah. So when I put my focus on the fans and I I never said no to anybody you know, I don't care if you're, you know, if you're, if you're from Germany or, or where you're from, or if you have a mental illness or something and, and you don't know where to send mail. I, I love all my fans. And uh, I think putting the fans first was, was the biggest, best decision for me. Um, because, like I said, at the end of the day, you might work with that promoter again. You might work with that wrestler again. You might never see them again. But the fans are always going to be there.
0: Awesome. Uh, now you're getting some reps in AEW on dark. I mean, I assume you had some sort of relationship with the company before cause you were in the battle Royal at double or nothing last year. And then you're also backstage during all out in Chicago. So, uh, how did that come about for you?
1: Uh, it came about through chasing opportunity where everybody else saw, you know, everybody else saw an excuse, right? The pandemic was an excuse. You know, I could still be sitting at home and, oh, I'm not going to go wrestle. I don't want to get sick, you know, I'm afraid. Or you could, you know, pack your bag, get your merch and everything ready, load up the car, and drive. And that's what I did. I drove down to Atlanta, Georgia, where I was born, mind you. I was born in Atlanta on September 9th, 1993, during the Hollywood Blondes run. Oh, wow. They broke up in October of 93. So I am the Hollywood kid. I was born to be a star, okay? I wasn't born to sit at home and, and be afraid of the boogeyman out there. I've been, I've been at the forefront of this. I've been wanting wrestling to come back since the day it left, you know? I paid my dues to this thing. I, I stayed at home, and I quarantined myself strictly for two months straight, so I did my part. But the, the, the negative mental effects I had on my health, the, the, the spiraling downwards, the sitting at home, doing nothing— it got to me. It got to me so much that one day I just woke up and I started getting after it. I packed up my car. I went down to Atlanta. I stayed with DDP, a guy who is extremely motivating, extremely smart in the realm of, of, of physical therapy and, uh, and flexibility, and, and DDP, why of course, his innovative uh, take on yoga. And I trained with him in the mornings, and then I trained at AEW, which AEW. Uh, is the Nightmare Factory, essentially, mm-hmm. in Atlanta, Yep. Uh, which, if you guys have been paying attention, is now officially going to be forming a partnership for developmental, for AEW. That's QT just Marshall, posted, right? Yeah, they just posted a, uh, a newsletter. Yep. QT Marshall and yep. his wife. They do an excellent job. It's the best training facility I've ever been to in the country. And I've been to all of them. They have a weight training. So it's technically I was doing three a days. So I was doing yoga with DDP in the morning. I was doing weight training with QT's wife and then I was doing in-ring training with QT Marshall. So a whole week straight, every day, three days training, three times a day to prepare for just an opportunity. That's all I wanted. I didn't ask, I didn't go into AEW asking for anything. I didn't go in there asking for a favor, asking for a job, asking for a title shot. I said, just give me, just give me six minutes with, with one of the best workers you got, you know? And they put me in there with Sean Spears, a guy who I, I had a lot of respect for him before. But after being in the ring with him, after wrestling, him, there's just a certain cadence. There's just a, a certain flow. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain understanding that a real pro wrestler has. Mm-hmm. And I just want that so bad. You know. I, I don't ever want to be spoken of as a guy that can't work, as a guy that's spotty. Or, 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 young or green. I want to be a guy that can go out there and work with the best. I want to be a guy that can go out there and really general the ring and tell a captivating story and get the fans on the edge of their seats. And, and just, just spending five minutes in the ring with Sean Spears. I learned so much, you know, you know, if he, if he wasn't such a bad dude, like if he wasn't such a piece of crap, you know, it would be a great relationship. But, you know, unfortunately we had a good clean match. And then he went in and, and hit me in the head with a fucking steel slug, which you know yeah. I'm not saying it fucking hurt really bad, but I you know, I saw stars after it, so Yeah. It is now, what it is. That
0: was that black glove that he had, right? Yeah,
1: I mean it is what it is, you know? Yep. You got a guy, he's you know, he's trying to make a statement. And that's what a lot of guys at AEW doing, they're making a statement. And I think I made enough of a statement too. I made a statement to say, hey, I'm Chris i'm polished up i'm ready for tv i'm ready to work and i'm only going to get better working with guys like that i'm only going to get better working with the revival And, and and griff garrison another young hot young prospect incredible athlete i had a lot of great synergy with him i really enjoyed
0: working with griff so that's two weeks in a row you guys have teamed up right hey you and griff yes sir yeah looking good out there actually uh, back, back to Warrior Wrestling real quick before we let you go. Who else would you like to work with in Warrior Wrestling now that you're the champion?
1: Um, I think at the end of the day, it's going to be me and Brian Cage. And that's going to be the true test. He was the original champion. He, he didn't get to test himself. I'm holding the belt now. My turn. He's got the job at AEW. I want the job at AEW. Mm-hmm. But right now, I got the Warrior title. And he wants the Warrior title. So he's got something I have. And uh, he's got something I want and I got something he wants. You yep. know what I'm saying? So to me, that makes for a very good story. Um, and to me, it's going to take a long time until I earn that match. I don't think Brian's going to give it to me. I don't think he wants, I think he wants me to be hundred, 120%. I think he wants me to be at the top of my game. He wants me to defend that thing several times over against some of the best talent in the world. And that's going to start with scouting. And, and that's going to start with, you know, being an open challenge. You know, so um, just like Cody's got with the TNT title, he's got an open challenge. And uh, Warrior Wrestling is is without a doubt an open challenge. We have access to the football field. We have access to a safe venue, a safe arena where people can um, come out and enjoy a show. We have a, we have a socially distanced fan fest. All the fans are encouraged or required to wear masks. And uh, yeah, you know, if you come up to my table and you want to buy something, if you want to take a picture with me, I'll ask you, hey, do you want me to wear my mask or not? You know, oftentimes fans would rather the talent not wear them. You know, they paid for the picture; they want to get a good picture with you. you know? mm-hmm. so, and and, I, and I'm totally respectful of that. And like I said earlier, what have I been doing this whole time? I've been putting the fans first, anyway. So.
0: Yeah, I've definitely seen that over the last few Warner <coughs> Bros. fan fests. Uh, really appreciate what you do for the fans there. Uh, one more thing before we let you go: uh, whatever you've got to plug, go ahead and plug away. Okay, yeah. Hey, guys. Uh, Brian Pillman Jr. You can always
1: find me on Instagram at Flying Brian Forty One or Twitter at Flying Brian Jr. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. There's a lot. There's a lot of opportunity right now in the wrestling business. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity coming my way. Uh, you're going to catch me on AEW Dark on YouTube, and uh, maybe sooner rather than later to see me on Wednesday nights for AEW TNT Dynamite.
0: Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate the time out of your day and uh, good luck. And we'll see you again at warrior wrestling soon and hopefully more on AEW. Well,
1: thank you guys for having me. I really All right. appreciate it.
2: All right, Mike, good interview with them. I really got to ask you a question, though, if you don't mind. Okay. Uh, you know, and we'll do this for my explain to me like this is a noob thing that we used to do a while ago. Okay, and we'll play the music and everything. I'm just I'm just kind of curious, though. How much of that interview is real and how much of that is character? Because it seems like he goes back and forth within it. I mean, like, you know, like, explain this to a to a wrestling uh, noob in a way, let's say. Because cause it seems to me like sometimes he's talking real and then sometimes he just, like, He's, he's almost creating heat between him and somebody else. What's your take on that, listening to it?
0: Yeah, nowadays, a lot of interviews, you have guys going, you know, bouncing between kayfabe and real life and all that, and really blurring the lines of uh – uh, reality, and then the worked world of professional wrestling. I mean, you get a lot of that nowadays. I mean, back in the day, a lot of interviews would just be strictly k You pick up a Pro Wrestling Illustrated, and the, the press conferences or the special interviews they used to have in the magazine would be just guys, you know, basically in character talking about themselves. But, yeah, he, he definitely went a little bit in, up and back between his character and his real self. But I found him to be a really driven guy a guy that's not resting on his laurels of having the last name of a superstar like flying brian pillman he's a guy that's putting in the work taking the time so yeah overall i think a great interview with him and yeah i mean i think you're um kind of right i mean i think it's a, a mix of you know kayfabe and then reality as well
2: yeah i mean i just i i i picked it up as we were doing it with him i was thinking to myself i was like okay so you know, he's talking about things with his dad and what was happening behind the scenes. And, you know, you asked him that question. You could tell he's been asked about a thousand times, but he, he's nice enough to tell the story about what happens during the Steve Austin thing with with his father and, and the gun and everything else like that. And then uh, but then he turns around and like a little bit later on and he's like, this guy's a piece of crap. I don't like this guy in a cheap shot. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, really? Like, am I supposed to believe that you didn't talk about that? He just did that for no reason. I'm sure you do. That it was, co- you know, that's a whole thing but he, he kind of moves in and out of it. And that's kind of how I saw it. I want to make sure I saw it right. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> and before we, uh, before we go, uh, this is a big weekend for WWE. We have SummerSlam on Sunday and we have NXT TakeOver 30 on Saturday. And for SummerSlam, there's uh, several matches been, and have been announced. I'm just going to throw out a few off the top of my head who I, what I think are going to be important matches. the, WWE Universal Championship, Braun Strowman defends against The Fiend, we have Drew McIntyre defending the WWE Championship against Randy Orton, and then we have the really quirky situation where Asuka is wrestling two singles matches, one against Sasha Banks for the Raw Women's title, and one against Bayley for the SmackDown Women's title. And my feel of that is I think Hoskett's walking away with both titles and then Sasha and Baylor be kind of left scratching you know, the surface wondering what happened. That's just my feel. I think that's what's going to happen on Sunday. Also, we have Dominic Mysterio and Seth Rollins in a street fight, which should really, really be interesting to see how that uh, comes down. And then they just announced this one on SmackDown last Friday night. Mandy Rose... Sonia Deville in a hair versus hair match.
2: What is it? Now, explain the hair versus hair match to me. Is this going to be one where they have to pull each other's hair, or somebody's getting shaved bald?
0: Uh, well, the the winner basically will shave the loser bald. Nice. Uh, the storyline was a couple weeks ago. Sonia attacks Mandy in the back, takes out scissors and cuts her uh, hair down. So now she's got basically soccer mom hair rather than her long flowing golden locks. So this looks like a culmination of probably what we've seen for four to five months between Mandy and Sonya.
2: Give me give me your prediction on that one. I want to know. That that's uh, give me your because whenever we get a crazy match, I'm just kind of curious prediction wise, what do you think is going to happen? Because they can get you can get good predictions out of things like this.
0: Sonya has dominated the feud in ring. So I'm thinking Mandy pulls this one out somehow, some way, is getting a crew
2: cut. Well I would think that WWE Creative would not want to to shave Mandy's head. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, but yeah. because of that assumption, I think she gets her head shaved and it, it, or at least it's to the point where there's a certain level her hair is at. So because then she could just add extensions and change her whole look if she wanted to. She could be a redhead in a week, you mm-hmm. see, with the with wigs and things like that. So you don't know this could be there. This could actually lead to a different thing with her character. So, I mean, that would be the real swerve as if she actually lost. Right. If all of a sudden Mandy Rose lost that hair, that would be the swerve, wouldn't it? So you're
0: looking for the swerve. I'm looking okay. for the yeah, swerve yeah, on you know, the I'm hair I'm gonna, match. If we're going to get
2: stupid, let's get real stupid. If we're going to have where one girl's shaving another girl's head as a stipulation, let's get crazy. That's the way I see it.
0: And then real quick, NXT TakeOver 30, that's Saturday night on the WWE Network. Two of the matches I am looking forward to the most are Keith Lee defending the NXT title against Karrion Cross. That should be really, really interesting, especially after last week's NXT where Keith Lee, Got the contract back from Scarlett and Kieran Cross. Opens the contract up. Old school ball of fire puffs in his face, and then he's blinded. Um, the officials got to come in and try to uh, make. I'll you know, check on his eyes. They take him in an ambulance and all that. Crazy, crazy storyline there. And as mentioned before, it's Adam Cole against Pat McAfee. I mean, the build for this has been great. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. <laughs>
2: Hope Cole kicks the crap out of him. For real, too. I think think Cole will win this match, though. I can't see him losing to (laughs) a player. It'd be kind of ridiculous. It would be absolutely ridiculous ridiculous if he lost her. it would be all it right would be. well that's your windy city slam brian pillman jr our guest today took up a lot of time but it was a good interview enjoyed uh, talking with him and uh mike was super pumped to be able to bring it to you you get all these interviews plus you know mike interviews a lot of people off the air as well that's why you check out windycityslam.com when he covers his events that he's at what's the next one you're planning on going to do you know yet
0: uh, i'm not sure my next um uh, show I'm being attending to yet. Yeah, I mean it just depends on my schedule, depends on on what's available, what comes back. But next week, here on the Windy Slam, City Slam podcast, I have another guest. We are just rolling with guests. Wow. Wrestling Inc's Nick Hausman will join us and he will help us recap WWE SummerSlam and NXT TakeOver 30. So I'm very, very excited that we do a show
2: You're killing it, man. You're absolutely killing it. The Windy City Slam podcast is live at noon every Monday on the Podbean app. You can get details at uh, WindyCitySlam.com. You can also just... Go into your app store and find Podbean on any device and download it and listen there. Otherwise, Windy City Slam is found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at WindyCitySlam.com. For Mike Pankow, I'm Chris Lanuti. We will see you next week. If you missed any part of the show, it will be on demand shortly. This is Windy City Slam. Bye-bye, everybody. This
0: my name.